In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Epip, and the Gospel is from John chapter 11. And the Gospel today is about the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And sometimes I feel that we've read some of these miracles so many times and many of the extravagant miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ that sometimes it's very easy to gloss over the miracles and just be like, oh yeah, Lazarus, the Lord did this miracle and he raised the person from the dead. Oh, he healed this sick person. Oh, you know. And we've become kind of accustomed to the miracles. But sometimes I think we forget and we don't appreciate the significance of these miracles. How God's presence did wonders. If that happened right now in front of you, what would be your reaction if someone was dead and they raised from the dead? This would be the talk of the town. Think about how your faith would be impacted. Think about the glory that would be present in this place. Everybody would say, God is in this place. So I want us to never forget that God is always in our place. Never to forget the significance of the miracles of the Lord. Or forget that His power is here with us. And that He can do these marvelous things even in in this day and age. In the Gospel of today, our Lord was was told that Lazarus was sick. And he replied to the apostles, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Then you know the story. He stayed in that place where he was two more days. And by the time he arrived at Bethany, he was, Lazarus, who was sick now, had died. He had passed. And what happened is, the Lord had promised something great. But then something bad happened. Then the Lord followed through on His promise and did something spectacular. And what I've realized is this pattern that I just said is all over the Bible. God will promise something great. Then something bad will happen that goes directly counter to the promise that God gave. And then the Lord or God will still follow through on His His promise. For example, with Abraham, God promises him that he will be father of a great nation. But after God promises him that you will be a father to a great nation, there's a few problems. First of all, he goes to a land and he finds that the land has like a famine. Then his wife was barren, and now she's Aguza, an old woman. And so she can't have children anymore. So how, God, do you promise me to be a father of a nation? And I go to the place, the place isn't fitting, and my wife isn't fitting, and or, yeah, it's not like things go against the promise of God. And yet, in the end, God comes through and fulfills the amazing promise. Look at another great example. Actually, the first one that came to my mind was the example of Moses. You know, Moses is called by God to go free his people in Egypt. And he goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And then Pharaoh says, why do you want to go? 
It's probably because you're just trying to get out of your work. You must be a lazy people. I'm going to make your demands even like tougher. Double the bricks. Don't give them straw. Make them work double. Could you imagine what Moses was feeling after God had called him to do something great and he goes to Pharaoh and then Pharaoh smacks him in the face and, and, and actually Moses left and, and actually the people came to Moses and they said let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us and so then, the, like Moses, poor Moses, he goes back to God and says, Lord, why did you send me? Why did you bring this trouble on your people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, neither have you delivered your people at all. And then it gets worse, <laughs> I feel like, for Moses. God says, go back and do a little miracle, throw your staff in front of everybody then they and so Moses goes and he throws his staff and then the, the the irony is that Pharaoh comes and brings his wise men and he throws their staff and it turns into a snake so then all like Moses is like why like all the great things you're telling me to do and you want me to do all of these things and everything you tell me to do there's always something like against it and then, what's, uh, what's funny, or not funny, which is sad, is that even after this, Moses goes back to God and said, I don't know why you're sending me, because not only Pharaoh's not going to listen to me, but the people have even, they're not even going to listen to me. So there is like, this situation has like, no going forward. You see the same pattern in the life of David. He's anointed a king very young when he's 15 years old. Then his relationship with Saul deteriorates. He's hunted. It gets so bad that David lives in enemy territory. But God, you've given him a promise to be a king. You've promised him a kingdom. What happened? Things often, they get bad before they get better. Things oftentimes get bad before they get better. Today, I want to break down this pattern and hopefully extract some very important lessons for us. The process begins with a promise, a call, an idea for God's glory. And when God gives us a promise, it's important for us to remember the promise. Some people forget the promises that they've been given. That's why I love the Catholic epistle today. It reminded us of the promise and reminded us not to forget the promise. St. Peter, he says, They stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. They stumbled. They're not listening. They're not remembering the promises that God has given to them. Then he says, But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just as he called Lazarus out of darkness, 
he, into his marvelous light Who once were not a people but now are the people of God Who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy It's important to us to remember the promise of God To remember who we are That we are chosen generation, a royal priesthood It's not only important for us to remember the promises Like I was thinking many times in scriptures It says that God remembered his promises it's not that like God forgot His promises, but that He will act to uphold His promises. So one of the nice things that you see in the prayers of all the righteous people in the Old Testament is that when Moses and David and Nehemiah would pray, they would say what we would say in the fraction. We say, for example, Nehemiah would say, The great and mighty, awesome God who keeps His... Covenant and His mercy So remember the promise and use the promise in your prayers Oftentimes the promises of God are also conditional They require faith, they require action For the promise to be activated Like for example Romans 8.28 See the condition here For we know that all things work together for good to those who... Love God To those who are called according to His purpose The condition is We know that all things work together Is based on To those who Love God If you love God All things will Will work together So this is the condition of the promise Look at another one But seek, the, but seek first the kingdom of God And His righteousness And all these things will be Added to you there's a promise that all these things will should, be, should be added to you But it's conditional upon Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness And in the gospel of today The Lord asked or said to Martha I am the resurrection and the life He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall Live And whoever lives and believes in me Shall never die Then he asks Martha do you believe this? And I wonder how the story would have been different if Martha said, no, Lord, I don't believe this. But Martha said, yes, I believe. She didn't really understand, to be honest, what maybe the Lord and the full implications of this. But she said, yes, I believe. And I feel like this yes, to believe in the promise, activated the promise, if you will. And the promises of God... Once they are activated and once we meditate on them, the promises of God, they give us comfort. They give us strength. They change our outlook. Tukhayil, if now, like, think about how this promises, this promise that I just mentioned, should change your life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never Die. If you believe that, how does that change your day-to-day -day life? How would that change your day-to-day -day life? I think it would remove the sadness when people pass away. Because there is resurrection and, and though they may die, they shall, they shall live. Another implication of this is that it removes the fear of death. Because 
as you saw in the in the cynic story today, like the great martyrs are not scared of death because they believe in the promises of God. And I think the other thing is that it encourages us to do good works because we know there will be a judgment and we will be rewarded for all the works, whether we do good or we do evil. So see how the promises they change our they change our life. They change our the way we function. They change our outlook. The second part of the process is God gives a promise, but then He gives a promise, then I see difficulty. I see challenges. The promises of God unfortunately do not keep us from tribulation. They do not keep us from challenges. That's why like sometimes in the spiritual life we want to do good things and we want to pray we want to do this but then I find myself this is very difficult I can't do it this is a struggle and the key is that when this difficulty comes is to be faithful don't be like the Israelites when the difficulties came they turned to Idolatry. They started to complain. They started to be disobedient. They forgot about God and all His promises. Even our father Abraham, and I was thinking about this, is that when father Abraham was confronted by the kings about the relationship between him and his wife, he had a difficulty in front of him. He knows the promise of God, but he has a difficulty. So what did he do? He tried to lie. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes when we're in a face with difficulty, we try to take like a shortcut. We try to... Uh, uh. But the amazing thing is, even though Abraham took a shortcut and tried to lie, or did lie, God was still there and giving him, like, appeared to Ahimelech, I think. Abimelech was the name of the king. And Abimelech in a dream and said, you are going to die because you have taken this woman and she's already married. Yani he lied, but God was still upholding his, his end of the promise. And this, this point was actually inspired by the gospel of today. You know when the Lord said, let us go to Judea again? The disciples came and said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going back there again? Then the Lord said something like feels like you know. the Lord said are there not 12 hours in the day if anyone walks in the day he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world but if one walks in the night he stumbles because the light is not in him what does the Lord mean by this the Lord was trying to say and he was trying to encourage his disciples to walk in the light we're not doing anything wrong. We are going there to do a good work. And so, if they want to kill us, that's fine. And I am the light, and so because I am the light, there is nothing to be scared of. So even if it is difficult to do the right thing, you should do it. Even in difficult circumstances, even in times of struggle. Oh, it's easier to lie. It's easier to cheat a little bit on the taxes. Oh, it's easier to cheat on the exam. No, you should... Be honest, be faithful, and know that God will uphold His promise um, regardless of the situation. The second thing is, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the difficulty, 
This requires us to be patient, to endure, to, to not let despair get the best of us. That's why I love the response of Mary. They said, you weren't here. Lord, you weren't here. But I know that you have power. I still believe in you. Even though you weren't here, I still trust that whatever you ask of God, God will do it. I feel like this is faith that we need to have. And I was really like reflecting on this idea. It was similar in Acts chapter 9 when Tabitha was dead and Peter was in another city. How the people thought, how the people, they, they were like washed the body. She's ready to die. She's or not ready, she's, she's already dead. She's ready to be buried. And they, the people of that town, they said, let's, Peter's next door in the next town. Why don't we bring him and maybe his prayers can do something. Wow, what faith did these people have to ask St. Peter to come to see a dead woman. And their faith and his prayers actually brought Tabitha back to life. Never give up. Never be in despair. Remember the promise. The last part... Oh, the last part of that that I want to say is in the difficulty, bring Christ to the tomb. I love how they brought, it says they met him at the city, but then they brought him to, to the tomb. He could have healed him like he healed the centurion from, a frog, uh, from afar, but they brought the Lord Jesus Christ to the tomb. It's important that in your difficulty, that you bring the Lord Jesus Christ to the problem. Bring him to the issue and he can solve it. The last part of the, pro- the, the, the process is that the promise is fulfilled. When God does wonders in your life, be thankful. Be thankful. Return to the Lord and thank him for his goodness. Remember the story of the ten lepers? Like, they, he healed ten. Only one came back to say thank you. And I love the psalm of today. The psalm of today was about recounting the works of the Lord. To be thankful for all the good things that God has done in your life. The second thing is when the promise is fulfilled, the Lord told Lazarus, come out and take off your grave clothes. To me, this is like a symbol of look forward, don't look back. Whatever was in the tomb, let that be left in the tomb like in the gregorian liturgy we say you have you have slain my sin in your tomb whatever is in the tomb gets left in the tomb you don't bring the baggage from the tomb outside and when god does wonders in your life leave the baggage behind leave the old things behind and i've done sins in the past god has forgiven you don't bring the sins into the present. Leave them in, in the past. That's why I feel all of us, we need, like I always tell people this in confession, the Christian needs amnesia. What do I mean by that? Is that when we sin and we repent, then we should forget. Leave the past behind. Focus on the present and the future. And this... Then, after the promise is fulfilled and God does the wonders in, my, in our life, this causes me to transform my life, to live my life dedicated to Him. 
تخيل how Lazarus lived his life after this event. How do you think Lazarus lived his life after this event? He had been dead. Do you know what happens when you die? I don't. But, yeah, I mean, like you probably go and you see some spirits and you see some stuff. And he saw all of that. Went to Hades, he saw it. And then he came back, and so he lived differently. When we see the work of God in our life, this causes us to live differently. Actually, you know what's in John chapter 12? Lazarus is John chapter 11. John chapter 12 is the story of Martha when Martha brought the very costly spikenard and washed the feet of the Lord. I felt that this giving of Martha was in response to the amazing things that God had done for her. So when we see that God has done amazing things for me, did I say Mary? I said Martha? Mary. 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 When, when Mary saw the amazing things that God had done, our Lord Jesus Christ did for Lazarus, she felt compelled to give him the most precious thing that she had. And I feel that when we see the work of God, we see the promise fulfilled in our life, we have nothing else to do but to give the most precious thing that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see this cycle many times in the, in the scripture. We see God's promises. We see after he gives us a promise, the devil, he's not going to leave us. You think, uh, you think the devil's going to let the, the promises just play out like this? He wants to attack. He wants to keep the people in slavery. I'm not going to let you just go easy. So he throws things against the promise. But you have to remain faithful. And when the promise is fulfilled, then you... Dedicate your life to God, and glory be to God forever. Amen.